And as we began last week, I shared a story with you based on an article that I had read, When Cuss Words, Addiction, and Shame Show Up at Church. And in essence, what that story was about was a young lady who came. She was a heroin addict. She left her kids in the nursery. She goes to pick them up. They were a little rowdy. They broke a few toys. They were a little disruptive. She's confronted by one of the church workers named Jane, and she spews some expletive, the shock, the awe amongst all those other parents, among all those other kids. But the beautiful thing was that Jane, the church worker, wrote Anne a message. And Anne came back, and Anne got involved, and years later, Anne eventually became the director of the nursery. We posted that story on our Facebook page. I encourage you to go and read it. But one of the things that I found interesting was it wasn't until I went to share it back on our Facebook page that I missed a beautiful part of that article. And that is when I clip things to read, it clips just the article. It removes all the images and all those things. And so I read just the story. Well, guess what? In the link that I shared, there's a copy of Jane's letter to Anne. Listen to what she told Anne. Dear Anne, it's me, Jane, from the nursery at church on Sunday. I'm writing to let you know that all is well at church. No harm done. And the broken toys, no problem. We need to replace so many of them anyway. But what I really want to do, Anne, is thank you. Thank you for the way that you wore your heart on your sleeve on Sunday. That meant a lot to me because I'm often tempted to hide the messy things that agitate my heart. Thank you for willing to be honest. Your courage to be honest got me to thinking, what better place to be honest than church? You reminded me that Jesus invites all to come to him raw and real and to do that together and never alone. I hope to see you again. More than this, I hope that we can become friends. Sincerely, Jane. Wow, what a beautiful letter. You can hear Jane's heart. And Jane is saying that when she had that interaction, this isn't how the story is going to end. That she had the courage to reach back out and say, listen, it's okay, broken toys, we need to replace them anyway. But she was raw and real. And to me, when I heard that phrase, I remember a few weeks ago, a few months ago, I preached on a psalm and I didn't know why we were in that psalm and I couldn't understand it. And then I realized that the majority of the time when you read the psalms, the psalmist is real and raw before the Lord. Take off the mask. Take off the show. Our lives are messy. But we're not meant to go at life alone. Amen? So this morning, I want to turn our attention to a story. It involves Easter, but we titled today's message, A Response to Easter. Response to Easter. And so, 
I want you to kind of hold your place, but I want us to start this morning in Mark chapter 16. In Mark chapter 16, you're going to need your bulletin or your connect card or an offering envelope or a receipt. Find something because you're going to want to mark your place. But turn to Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16, we're going to look at one verse for now. And then we're going to come back to this passage. But Mark 16, when you found your place, say amen. All right, in Mark chapter 16, we see this. When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices so that they might go and anoint him. Okay? Put something to hold your place there and then turn back to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. This is Matthew's account of the resurrection. Matthew chapter 8 starting in verse 1. We'll read through verse 10. So we see in Mark's gospel, in Mark's account, that he's saying, hey, Mary... Magdalene, Mary, Salome, they've gone, they, they've taken spices with them to go and to anoint Christ's body. That is a sign of love and devotion and respect. That would be like today when we go to a cemetery and we take flowers. That's what they were doing. Jesus had passed, they're going to bring these spices to put on the body, it's a sign of uh, of respect, of love, and adoration. Devotion. So now we pick up in Matthew's account. Now after the Sabbath, towards the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes white as snow. And for the fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. Verse 6, He is not here, for he is risen. As he said, Come see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. Verse 8. So so they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell the disciples. Verse 9. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up to him and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. And there... They will see me. I want to start by telling you this morning that we will face obstacles as we love and serve God. We will face obstacles as we love and serve God. As we see here, Mary and Magdalene and Mary and Salome, they're going. And to them, there were two big obstacles that stood in their way. They were the Roman guards and a huge stone. But guess what? 
They went anyway. Listen, the obstacles that we face should not stop us from going, should not stop us from loving, and should not stop us from serving. Because look at the story. Look at what the story tells us. When they got there, what? The stone had been rolled away. So can you imagine? You know, I'm pretty sure that somebody maybe, I don't know, one of the Marys or maybe Salome, maybe that's why she's not mentioned in Matthew's account. You know, just like church folks today, well, ain't no need to go. Ain't no need to do that. Could you imagine? I mean, use your sanctified imagination, right? Seriously. I have no need to go. Oh, there's guards and there's a huge stone. Oh, we don't need to go. Don't need to go. Don't need to go. Y'all crazy. Y'all go anyway. But what did they do? They were obedient. They were faithful. That's what the Lord had led them to do. And so they went. And even though there were big obstacles before them, they didn't worry about those big obstacles, did they? But God took care of them. And that's what God does in our lives as well. There will be obstacles. Sometimes we'll get there, and and unlike this story, there might be a huge obstacle that we can't overcome. But go anyway. This past week I had the opportunity to to help someone, and I kind of hesitated to help them. I'd be glad to tell you the story sometime if you want to know. I kind of hesitated to help them. But I helped them. And then next, I go out on the street, and there's this lady, and she looks lost. And she says, sir, where's the water department? I was in front of the opera house. She said, where's the water department? I said, well, it's down near Central Carolina. And she was kind of like, I said, are you you from around here? No. I said, did did y'all just move here? Yes. So we get to talking, and I tell her how to get there. She's going to go through two stoplights. And then in a minute, felt like the Holy Spirit just said, Ask her. Okay. All right, God. So I said, hey, y'all just moved to town. Y'all found a church yet? Well, you know, we saw that Alice Baptist place and a couple other churches. I said, okay. I said, well, I'm the, I'm the interim pastor of Bible Fellowship Church. And usually I carry one of the cards that we keep in the lobby. Didn't have one, so I tore out a sheet of notebook paper and I wrote my name and I wrote her num- wrote my number and Wrote our website address. Her name's Christine. Pray for her and her husband. Maybe one day they'll come in and feel welcome. But if not, if not here, maybe they'll find a church to belong to. Amen? But that's the example. Sometimes when you go, you might go and say, I don't know why I'm doing this, but okay, God, I'm answering you here. And the point is, if I never would have helped those other people, I never would have run into Christine. Right? I never would have, she never would, we never would have crossed paths. So to me, I see that as confirmation that, hey, you helped here. Now I let you plant a seed here. That's what God allows for us to do. Listen, we must go out with love and gratitude for Jesus and leave the big obstacles to God. That's what we're to do. Now, I want to skip forward in the story really quick, and I just want to tell you that I want to look at verse 9. I want to look at verse 9. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. 
Listen, friends, I think this is a beautiful picture that this Jesus that they saw was not a ghost and He was not a figment of their imagination, but He was the risen, resurrected Savior in bodily form. For Scripture tells us that they grabbed His feet. If He was a ghost, if He was a figment of their imagination, how did they grab hold of His feet? Right? It was a bodily resurrection. He was the risen Savior in bodily form. They grabbed hold of His feet. Don't miss that. I think that's a beautiful picture. But then in that verse, we see something else. And what was that? That Jesus met them. He said greetings. And they came up and took hold of His feet and worshipped Him. Friends, worshipped Him. Worship is the ultimate Priority for a follower of Christ. What is worship? What is worship? Worship is any action or attitude that expresses praise, love, obedience, and appreciation for God. That's what it means to worship Him. In Micah 2.8, we see... Sorry, Micah 6.8... We see a beautiful picture of, of what that means to worship Him. In Micah 6, 8 it says, And He has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love with kindness and to walk humbly with your God. Micah saying, do what's right. Love kindness. Love mercy. And then walk humbly with your God. I also like how when Jesus came on the scene, in the next sentence he says, do not be afraid. Right? Scripture tells us over and over and over again, do not be afraid. Fear not. It's a reminder. Even in that moment, as they're worshiping Jesus, do not be afraid. And then in verse 10, we see, do not be afraid. Go. Go. And tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. Again, he is calling them, and he is calling us to go. Going is an act of worship. Going is an act of obedience. Going is an act of love. Listen, if we could just get it out of our heads that going to church on Sunday morning is all it involves to be a Christian. We've got to get that notion out of our heads. It is more than these four walls. It is more than two, for us, it is more than 227 Broad Street. Why? Because God lives in the hearts of men. We're a temple of the living God. We come here to do what? We come here to be encouraged. We come to bring our family and our friends and, and those that we meet. We invite them to come in. Why? 
to be taught the things of God. But then, friends, we must go, we must depart from here, and we must be about doing God's work. We must be, as Micah tells us, that we're to, we're to do what's right, we're to love kindness, and we're to walk, listen, we're not just to walk with God, but we're to walk what? Humbly with God. There are so many people who will not darken the doors of a church today. Why? Because of arrogant Christians. Arrogant Christians who think they either know it all and they have all the answers. Well, I guess that's hence knowing it all. But that's why. You think about that. We're to walk humbly with the Lord. Can I tell you that verse 9, it grabbed my attention. Easter Sunday morning, early that morning, I was trying to go to sleep. I couldn't go to sleep. I was restless, right? It's Easter Sunday morning. We got Easter sunrise service and like we got the CEOs were coming, right? I don't know we had I don't know if y'all realize that we had some CEOs here last week. We did. Y'all all looking at me like, well, really? No. We had some folks, CEOs, Christmas, Easter only. Right? Only time we see them, Christmas, Easter only, CEOs. Anyway, that's why I'm not a comedian. But anyway, but listen, so all this excitement and all this tension and all this suspense, and I just couldn't go to bed. And as I'm laying there, the Lord just began to stir in my heart these next points that I want to give you. See, that's why I was excited. I mean, we should be excited every Sunday, right, to come into God's house. I should be excited every Sunday to stand up and preach what he's given me. But man, he gave me this last week, and I've been stirring on it since then, right? And it's been good because it's, it's reminded me of things I need to do, but also it's like, this is the word that I want you to bring to my people. And so here's three things that I want you to see. I want you to see that worshiping God requires you to let go of your possessions. Worshiping God requires you to let go of your possessions. You think about Mary Magdalene and Mary and Salome. As they went, they took spices so when the tomb's empty, I mean, spices weren't cheap, right? So they're not just going to say, oh, we brought these for Jesus. We're going to leave them here. No, they took them with them. And so then in verse 9, it says what? They, they fell at his feet and they worshipped him. Well, in order to grab his feet, they had to do what? They had to let go of what they were holding on to. They had to let go of what they saw as a prizely possession. And so, friends, we have to let go of what we're holding on to as well. And so I just ask you very simply this morning, what are you holding on to that's keeping you from fully and freely worshiping God? What are you holding on to that's keeping you from freely and fully worshiping God? So from verse 9, and behold, Jesus met them and they and said greetings and they came up and took hold of his feet and they worshipped him. Listen, so not only are we to let go of our possessions, we're to let go of our perceived power and position. We're to let go of our perceived power and position. And I, and I think back on what 
What the Bible says in Philippians 2, 9 and 10. In Philippians, Paul is writing and he tells them this. Philippians 2, 9 and 10. Therefore God has highly exalted Him, Jesus, and bestowed upon Him, Jesus, the name that is above every name. Verse 10. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, and in heaven and on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. So not only did they have to let go of their possessions, but they had to let go of their perceived power and position. It doesn't matter how long you've gone to this church. It doesn't matter how much you give. It doesn't matter how much you've done. It doesn't matter how much you think you know. But it's an act of humility. They fell at his feet. As the word says, they're submitting to who he is. Remember what I've told you before, man. When you fall at the feet of Jesus, when you fall at his feet, and they're at their feet, they they can't really see what everybody else is doing, right? Because why? It doesn't matter what everybody else is doing because they've got hold of Jesus. Amen? Because they're not worried about everybody else. They're not worried about what everybody else is doing. They're not worried about what everybody else has. But what? They're worshiping Jesus. Because they let go of their possessions. And they humbled themselves. And realized they were a sinner in need of a savior. And they worshiped him. You see, not only do you have to let go of your possessions, not only do you have to let go of your perceived power and position, but you have to change your posture. You have to get low. Right? And when I looked up the word posture, right, I was like, okay, maybe Chris, that isn't the right word to use, but it is. Because why? Because your posture is more than how you sit. It's your approach and it's your attitude. Right? Are you behaving to impress? Or are you walking humbly with God? Remember back to Micah 6, 8. Do what is right. Love kindness. Love mercy. And walk humbly with your God. Your approach and your attitude. We mentioned that already this morning there are some people who won't darken the doors of a church because of arrogant Christians. And part of that arrogance has to do with what? Your attitude. If we would just, if we could just walk in and instead of, you know, as I, if, as I think about this picture, right? That they're walking, he's saying, hey, go. And in the midst of their going, they, Jesus comes and says, hey, greetings. But you don't see, hey, they gave him a fist bump or they gave him a big bear hug. No, what? They fell at his feet. They fell and they worshiped him. They changed their, their, uh, they weren't, it wasn't about being high and mighty, but it was about getting low. That's what Jesus calls us to do. What? That the first shall be last and the last shall be first. 
We're called to be a servant. And listen, friends, if you can't serve others, then you deserve no position in leadership. And that's why for me, as, a, as your interim pastor, there's not anything I'm going to ask you to do that I'm not willing to do myself. Amen? You have to model it from the top. That's one thing I tell myself. When it comes to different events, I've been at events, and this is not to put Chris on a pedestal. It is not. I'm giving you an example. And it's a, it's a sad, sobering example. I've been at events with other people Sir, they have a fellowship dinner, and I grabbed a pitcher of tea and water and went around and started serving people. I went around and started giving people refills. And this man that's old enough to be my grandfather, he came up to me and he said, Son, he said, I ain't never thought about doing that. Man. You're the one supposed to be showing me that's how it's supposed to be. Not that you're a deacon or not that you're just some elder or statesman in this church that you're high and mighty and you're puffed up. No, you come to love and to serve others. Amen? It's not about, if you can't serve others, then you need to check your heart. You need to check your attitude. God calls us to be servants. A few weeks ago, what did we talk about? Where... Where I am, there my servant will be also. Right? And God has called people to serve in a variety of ways. Amen? I have a heart and a burden for those people who work on Sundays. Y'all, there are people who would love to be at church. There are people who would love to, to go to church. But you know what? They can't. Because they're out there. They don't make as much money as you make. They're a single... Uh, they're, they're a mother who is divorced who's trying to make ends meet. I met a guy yesterday. He, every six weeks he has a weekend off. Every six weeks. And he has two small children. And guess what? A lot of times that means what? He can't come to church. Or when he's off, he's resting. Oh, boy, you should be in church. We are the church. Take it to him, right? The worst day to go out to eat. People, now I've gone from preaching and teaching to meddling, but I'm going to say it anyway. The worst day to go out to eat, if you ask anybody who serves in a restaurant, is Sunday. Because Christians, notoriously, they come and, oh, we love Jesus, and then we go and we're served, and it's like, hey, hurry up. I need some more tea. Oh, my steak didn't cook right. Man, you didn't bring that fast enough. You didn't do this. Oh, here's a nickel. I mean, they tip worse. It's like, oh, I'm going to give you a track. Here's Jesus. That's priceless. You don't get a dollar. I'm sticking that back in my pocket. You know, come on. When you tip well, that every time... How many of y'all have one of these? How many of y'all have a, a, a debit card? Some piece of plastic. All right? When you go out to eat, you know what? God gives you a mission field every time you go out to eat. If you sit down in a restaurant and you eat, they're going to bring you what? They're going to bring you what? A bill. And then you're going to give them your debit card, and they're going to go run your debit card, and they're going to bring it back. That debit card receipt is a mission field. How you tip is a mission field. You can simply write, Jesus loves you, John 3.16. And maybe you don't need that extra dollar or two, or maybe you don't buy ice cream on the way home. And you tip them somewhat decent. Because there ain't no need to write Jesus loves you and then say, oh, here's a dollar. Man, those people are struggling to make ends meet. 
They don't make $15 an hour. They make 2 or $3 an hour and what they get on tips. I had a friend of mine who worked in the restaurant business and one day he worked a shift and he made a whopping like $3 and some change in tips. That's all he made. So think about that. When you go, you come here and you're filled with the Spirit. Oh, we love Jesus. When we all get to heaven, we'll sing and shout the victory. Man, you get to the buffet and you sit down and you fed and somebody serves you. There's an opportunity to tell them Jesus loves them and there's an opportunity to tip well. Did you do both? All right. Lastly, I want you to see who God uses. I told you to save your place in Mark. I hope you did. Turn back over to Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16. And I want you to look at something very important. Very, very important. Mark chapter 16, starting in verse 9 through verse 11. Listen to what Mark says. It says, Now when he rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons. She went and told those who had been with him as they mourned and wept. But when they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, they would not believe it. So here's the thing I want you to see, friends, is who God uses. First off, God can use anybody, amen? Scripture tells us that here's Mary Magdalene, whom he had cast out not one, but seven demons. You think this lady was messed up? Yeah, she was messed up. I mean, one demon is bad enough, but then you got, the Scripture tells us she had seven demons. God can use anybody. Listen, he can turn your mess into a message. He can turn your mess into a message. And he can take your mess and make you a messenger. Amen? See, people who are Christians, they will say, well, I don't have some miraculous testimony. Okay. You don't have to. But what has God done in your life? There was a time before Jesus, and there was a time after Jesus. Amen? There should be a shift of who you were and who you are now. Are you? Is it perfection? No. Get out of that notion. We have to stop striving for perfection and look to our Savior. It's through Him that we are made perfect in the eyes of the Lord, right? That His, his shed blood, the, the, God sees us as perfect. Through that shed blood. But we are not perfect. Amen. Not near one of us in here. None of us. So God can use anybody. He can turn your mess into a message. And he can take your mess. And he can make you a messenger. Friends. He has called each of us to go. Matthew in his gospel later. We get the great commission. It says go and make disciples. Friends. You can't make a disciple. Until you're first a disciple. And can we break it down just a little bit further instead of church ease and using church words? Be a student of God's word and go and make students of God's word. Right? God has done a work in your life. That's all you got to do is go and share. You got to be like Jane. You just got to step in and say, hey, this isn't how this story is going to end for Brother Chris. This isn't how this story is going to end for... Brother Todd, this isn't how the story's going to end for Sister Jane. No. 
I'm going to step in with the courage that God gives me. I'm going to say, God, just give me courage to, to say something, to point them to you, to plant a seed. And then walk. Move towards the mess. So I ask you as we close this morning, what are you holding on to that you need to let go of? What are you holding on to that you need to let go of? And when was the last time that you let go and got low? When is the last time that you let go of your possessions and you got on your face before the Lord? And listen, lastly, though some may not believe, where is Jesus calling you to go? What is He calling you to tell others about that He's done in your life? Use this time as we sing our hymn of invitation. Our offertory hymn. Our hymn of invitation as we close out today's service. Use this time to reflect. Use this time to just don't worry about anybody else beside you. And friends, I ask you as we prayed this morning and I pray now, Don't be flipping papers and packing your stuff up and putting things away because that's a distraction to those around you. Amen? And people don't need to be distracted as they do business with God. And so I invite you now, as we sing this song, to just get low and to ask God to just help you be who He's called you to be, to go where He's called you to go, and to say and do what He's called you to do. Amen?